Hello and welcome to 100 Women in Insurance podcast. My name is Sandra Lewin and I am your host. I'm on the mission to make insurance a career choice, not a chance. Together with my amazing guests, we are sharing our career stories, tips and much more and hope to inspire to join and remain in insurance. The industry is changing, so it couldn't be a better time to showcase the fantastic women across the insurance market. Let's jump into today's episode. Hannah, welcome to 100 Women in Insurance podcast. I am very happy you're here. For those that don't know you, um, you are the head of compliance at Lockton. Um, and I always start this podcast with a question, was the Korean insurance choice or a chance? And tell us a bit more about how did it get started? How did you get here? And where are you now? And what's your role now? Thanks, Sandra. And thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's really exciting to be on the other side of the microphone uh, today <laughs> and actually quite nerve wracking. So um, do bear with me. Um, so choice or chance. I, in my long insurance career, I have met one person who went into insurance by choice. Um, for me, it was definitely um, by chance, but I would say it's not like it's not completely potluck. I think I've always taken the approach of um, pulling the thread, you know, understanding the bits that I enjoy and the bits that I'm not so keen on in life and trying to follow um, uh, to follow those things through. So, um, you know, I was really interested in problem solving. I was really interested in events that I was seeing on the news and all the different industries that are involved in things that, you know, everybody talks about day to day, like tsunamis or um, air crashes or, you know, whatever it might be. And yeah, so just, I just kept following things that I was enjoying doing. And this is where it led me. Fantastic. So what was your first job in insurance? And then kind of in a brief, you know, how did I get to head of compliance? Sure. So, um, so my first job was actually um, as a advisor, a regulatory advisor to insurance companies. So I was with an accounting firm and we had a number of um, insurance clients. So that was my first exposure to insurance. And I was part of the regulatory team and I found it thoroughly fascinating. And I found you know, the juxtaposition between uh, what the regulators required and what businesses can achieve and how you actually understand a business. Really fascinating. Um, and two things happened. One, I sort of didn't like the um, parachute nature of, an, of a consultant. You know, I love being able to sort of think, not only do I get to have an opinion on this problem, but mm. I also own it and I'm going to see it through and I'm going to stand by my decisions. You know, I believe mm-hmm. in my decisions, I back myself and I I want to be on the business side, you know, seeing those things through to the conclusion. And the other thing was that I had my first child and at that point I thought um, that to be in that client service role, I felt for me, I wouldn't get the most fun, best opportunities um because you know with a newborn um I thought my family would come first and I actually was just like quite unsure of um how life would be as a new mum and so going in-house to an insurance company for me gave also a bit more stability I think about 
my day and what I could expect from my role. I'm not quite sure that's true, but um, that's what I thought at the time. <laughs> it's an interesting yeah. point because that's, it's you know, I've made that shift from being in the stable sort of corporate role into consulting. And you're right, it does, it has, a, people often say, oh, it's so good when you work for yourself. It is, but also does have disadvantages and versus to the corporate role. It's a very different dynamic, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it depends whether your flexibility is driven by you or your clients. So when you're in a in the role that I was in, it was very much responding to certain crises that clients were having or very urgent situations. And, you know, a client might phone at four o'clock in the afternoon and need some information for a meeting the next day. And so you'd have to work that evening and you know you you can be flexible but you're not the driving the timelines so if you're going into consulting or self-employed where you can and I do think that post-pandemic there's more understanding Mm. about accommodating um you know personal need Mm -hmm. that's that's a I like that think where the driving decision comes from I like that that's a very important thing when you're making your career choice isn't it where it is where will the driver on your flexibility come from? <laughs> which is which is a very good very good point. So, uh, we when we were chatting and sort of preparing for this uh, podcast uh, a week or two weeks ago, um, we were talking about pivotal moments in the career and the retention um, of female talent in the market. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your critical moment in your career and sort of decision to stay or not stay and what to do with your career. So um, during the pandemic, I was made redundant from the company that I was working in um, as the compliance team was restructured. And um, I I had an opportunity to invest in a business that was going to be very different from insurance it was essentially um a coffee truck and it was very Mm. profitable I imagine financially it wouldn't have made much difference to my situation which you might think is ridiculous but um you know it was it was a great opportunity it would have been a complete lifestyle change Mm. it would have been a completely different set of skills you know I'd worked in hospitality throughout university actually on my 18th birthday I got my first bar job you know and before that I'd been a waitress and I love working in hospitality I love talking to people I love giving great service I know that might sound ridiculous but you know it's really I find it really enjoyable and um you know matches my sort of personality profile and I just thought I could really do this I could get up at five set the truck up be finished by 10 or 11 home to do the school run be there all evening have a business I could use my um innovative ideas to think about different ways we could drive the business forward different sales opportunities different investment partnerships you know and I was really like taken with this idea of owning my own business driving it forwards um just doing something completely different and being having a completely different life schedule um and actually at that time I was interviewed in another podcast called um knowing when to quit and it was thinking about quitting the insurance industry uh, or you know professional work and going into this other business and I felt this huge burden and it's probably unnecessary um 
but I feel a huge responsibility to other women in insurance. Like I genuinely feel like there's so few beyond mid levels. You know, I think mm. most organizations are managing to recruit 50-50 and to keep uh, up to mid management sort of 50-50. Um, but you really see that sort of proportionality uh, drift off beyond um, manager level. And I thought, you know, if I, if I'm not there, that's another, it's not only, you know, one less person in the industry, but it's also um, a smaller cohort because there's a sense of being alone. Like you might get promoted to yeah. a level, but then you, there's not many people there with you. So, yeah you know you don't necessarily feel like you can be fully yourself or mm. um have the ideas or suggestions that you might think would be true to how you would really want to flourish in that role so and i just felt really overwhelmed by this sense of responsibility and the fact that you know even in 2020 we were still having these conversations and it's like when's this issue going to be solved and then i was like well it's never going to be solved if people you know whilst you make an individual decision there is this collective sense of there must be a systemic root cause why every individual decision falls one way yeah yeah that's interesting do you do you think the job that you currently do um brings you still that satisfaction that you were talking about serving clients and and being able to interact with people does that still is that still a fire within you that kind of like satisfies that in the insurance industry yeah, definitely. And actually, um, we had a team day yesterday and it was absolutely fantastic. And we did this um, uh, pro energy profile thing, which I'm sure lots of organizations use called Insights. And it says, you know, what, what's your preferred colored energy? And mine was very red and yellow, which is proactive, getting things done, you know, wanting everything done yesterday and really driving things forwards, but also throwing out loads of ideas and um, chatting. And most people in my team were very analytical, as you would imagine, in a compliance mm. team, really detailed, um, wanted to think before they speak, you know, so the complete opposite. And we actually had this really special moment of of really realizing that all of our skills complemented each other and that we were all able to do the best bits that we enjoyed and felt most natural towards because we had other people in the team that sort of filled the slack you know so yeah. I definitely feel like I'm able to use my skills and my energy preference and my approach um in my role yeah I mean um Lockton is like an organization that I have never encountered before so like the um the client is at the heart of everything it does like genuinely is and it's privately owned so it doesn't have this sort of shareholder pressure that lots of organization has yeah it's family owned and it's absolutely um focused on client service so I definitely get an opportunity to live that need that I have through my role that's amazing. And you talk about feeling lonely and, and not necessarily yourself, but just the feel that it can come up for, for women who are promoted into senior roles. And they do end up being literally the only woman in, a, in that room and, and uh, you know, various challenges that they face as a result of that. What would you, what would you say to women that are 
potentially listening or actually to men that are listening and kind of realizing that they that there is one woman at that table how do you how do you get all around feeling lonely what are the things that you can do to feel uh, more support so i i'm a prolific networker i don't mean to i just love connecting people and i love connecting myself and that is absolutely aligned with my sort of personality profile as well but i think that is really really helpful because you need to have a really strong network of people around you that support you and sponsor you and encourage you and lift you up and that you can lift up to, you know, mutually. And that might be outside your organization, but, you know, I, I mean, this podcast is phenomenal to, you know, I'm sure that any of your guests would love to be contacted by people looking to mm. build their network. I know that I would, and there's so many opportunities across insurance to network, um, which is increasing and it's really good. And I think that's really, really key. Um, and within your organization, it can be difficult because there can be dynamics that are at play in terms of, um, you know, you don't want to confide in someone where it wouldn't be appropriate in, in your role to relation to each other. Um, but yeah, I think it's really important to have a network around you of people that you trust and that can advise you and support you. Um, and I think it's really important. So there's so there's something about tiredness, right? And exhaustion mm. about always talking about the same topic. And I don't know if you've ever read the book called Why I'm No Longer Speaking to White People About Race by Rennie Edo Lodge. Yeah. And the one of the first things that she says in this blog post that she wrote that inspired the book is I'm just tired now. I'm just tired of always saying the same thing and white people not believing that I experience racism or, you know, not believing me when I say this situation. And whilst I am white and so I can't, you know, um, relate directly to that situation, I genuinely felt that same thing of, you know, I tell people that this makes a difference to me as a woman and I just don't think they believe me or, you know, that this policy would make a difference to my life or maybe there's a different approach um, that would be make it safer for women or more accessible, you know, to be more comfortable. And um, and I think there comes a point where you just get so tired of saying it that you stop mm -hmm. saying it. And I wonder it's, if that happens. Yeah, I think that's an interesting thing, isn't it? It's, it's how much can I fight? And I think that's yeah. a, there's a, I have spoken to women in a market that have decided to leave or are in the process of considering leaving because they are tired of being the only woman or, or, yeah. um, or having to fight all the battles and not being believed. And mm. um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really, so, you know, I guess for companies and for anyone listening and wanting to change that is start listening to your yeah. team and actually believe them when they say they're struggling. Um, yeah. I can't remember now which company is running this campaign at the moment, but one of the big insurers are running at the moment a campaign called Fine Not Fine. And it's like if someone says they're not fine, believe them they're not fine. Like that, yeah. you know, it's and, and listen to that. Um, so I think there's certainly something there. I mean, you do. I'm 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 amazed, right? You you have your roles ahead of compliance, which in itself is not a small role. 
Um, you're then very active in the DNI space, which we'll talk about in a minute. And you also have your podcast, which I can't wait yes. to get into because it is brilliant. So many things. What motivates you to get involved with DNI initiatives? So um, I had a few experiences through my life where I have realised how privileged I am when I hadn't previously particularly thought that. And one of those was that I had, um, through my network, through university, I had an opportunity to go um, and do quite a high profile internship. And But this was an unpaid internship. And, um, and I just couldn't... I could have asked my parents for the money, but I didn't want to have to ask my parents for the money. And I had this sort of penny drop moment of, ah, this is how I'm privileged because I could ask my parents for the money and they would give it to me. But there are many people who would never be able to access this internship because they have rent to pay, they have children to pay for they have responsibilities they need to spend their time earning money and actually I think we've seen a real shift away from unpaid internships and certainly um, organizations that I've worked at I've seen that they now pay all interns and um, I think that is massive because you know once you've graduated not everybody has somebody that's bankrolling them till they get their career started um, and it does predominantly affect certain communities over others and mm. um so for me realizing that about myself was really holding the mirror up and i thought nothing there's no difference in my inherent ability to perform well in this internship apart from the fact that i can afford to and there's someone who's equally capable as me that can't afford to and so i it was just it was just a realization for me which has made me realize that all sorts of um, underrepresented groups have the capacity to do what everybody else does but not the opportunity so yeah i just sort of want to make make it easier for people that are tired because they're so bored of not being believed i think that's that's such a good point and we um we often forget the absolute basics that we have we meet every day because of our privilege and i i agree with you is that if you are running an event these days about in about insurance if you are going to schools and going yeah we'll invite you over and come over and then you're thinking why not everyone is coming think right back to those basics can they actually afford to travel and that could be literally you know a two stops by tube but those two stops still they need money the families mm -hmm. sometimes don't believe as well that actually there is a need for that kind of travel. There is even an opportunity they don't understand it. So they don't have that backing. Do they have the food to get there? You know, all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. It's like, it's not, um, yeah, it's, it's, we really need to start thinking about what, what's the reason why we're not attracting? What's the, how is it that we can give opportunities to more people, isn't it, to make that talent pool different? I mean, there there is a lot of talk around DNI, and you know it's it's certainly an important topic in the insurance industry, but it can feel sometimes like a, a bit of a tick box exercise uh, for mm -hmm. certain companies or individuals. Um, 
how can you actually drive change? You know, what there's a lot of talk around, it's great, we can all, we all have done posters, but can we mm. actually see results now? What do you think are the, are the actions that companies and individuals can take? So I think it's, um, I think it's really challenging, actually. And um, I think what's really important is it's how business is done needs to be more diverse, not just, um, you know, the pitfall for some organisations can be to appoint somebody into a diversity role that sits maybe in marketing or, you know, somewhere and um, that does an excellent job, you know, and I really believe, you know, all contribution is really valuable and everything's turning the dial, but it's like, how do you turn the next notch, right? So Mm. it's been really important to make sure the messages are getting out there, but we need to make sure we're not um, greenwashing or pinkwashing, you know, our organisations to tell a story that doesn't really ring true uh, Mm. day to day in people's roles so um you know unless dni becomes part of how you do your job i don't think the dial will fully change and i think that's thinking through you know what what's the impact for women here and it's really interesting um at the time we were recording and over the last few weeks there's been loads of stuff about how the government made decisions during covid and yeah. how we heard a lot about, you know, what's going to happen at football events, what's going to happen at all these sporting events. But, uh, you know, nurseries closed, childcare closed, school closed. And there wasn't that that consideration about or who's caring for the children and that disproportionately disadvantaged women during that time. And, um, you know, lots of women are really involved in sports, but it was predominantly male social mm. activities that were considered by by the government and that you know that runs through our organizations as well when we're you know designing products when we're distributing products and when we're thinking about our clients are we thinking about the diversity of our clients Mm. all of their needs um and how how access is for everybody i think it's i've recently heard a few people talk about that that point exactly that sometimes you bring talent in and companies can be very good in really diversifying the clients uh, the talent pool but they don't change the culture in-house so you don't prepare and then you also don't serve the client in a uh, sort of diverse way and you don't think about the end product as well so you bring the talent and then you lose the talent very quickly so the numbers look okay because you're you know you're attracting the right talent yeah but are you actually tracking whether that talent stays and and are you actually making a difference so the other thing is I think about qualitative versus quantitative um, measurement because um we you know organizations are driven by data and they want to see the numbers and it is so important to see the numbers but you know you can um you can drive numbers forwards but if people think the same you know just because you're from a different racial background or a different gender you know doesn't really mean that you bring something different to the table so you know it's really important to think not just about the numbers 
but also be thinking about how do we think differently how do we approach problem solving differently and you know how, how do we show diversity not just by ticking a box on a you know we've got one person from this country we've got one person from that country one person that speaks this language and so we've got a diverse team but actually you all went to the same school and you've all you know been on the same grad program and you're completely homogenous in every other way yeah <laughs> that is actually very 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 good point and I know you touch on all these topics so you you sit on the ethnic and cultural council committee in in Luxon yes and you talk about DNI in a wider space but we've mentioned your podcast a few times yes um and it is an incredible podcast oh, um, thank you. miracle working mums um, yep. and and I would love to hear a bit more about that podcast but before we jump into it there was one sentence that you said to me when we were catching up which really sticks in my mind which is you know being a woman is um degrading and I think that's a very strong statement Okay. Can you can you tell me a bit more about it? Because I think it's a yes. worth for the listeners to hear it. Yes. So this actually goes way back about 20 years when Madonna released her music album. And there's a song on there called um, What It Feels Like for a Girl. And the opening line of that song is she says, um, oh gosh, I'm on the spot. Uh, Girls can wear, cut their hair short and wear shirts and boots because it's okay to be a boy but for a boy to look like a girl is degrading because you think mm. being a girl is degrading and I just thought how that just resonated so immediately like I wear jeans you know there's nothing wrong with dressing up being boyish being a tomboy but actually when boys say they want to wear dresses you know when boys want to experience what it's like to wear makeup or wear heels it's, feel emotions or feel emotions <laughs> yeah just to, sh to cry oh my just gosh to cry and feel sad <laughs> you know to have anything like that is really 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 criticized and judged and is degraded mm. and so uh, and actually um you know I think the role of being a woman is often put down the fact that caregivers who are predominantly female and um stay-at-home parents who are predominantly female those those caregiving roles um, and not even stay at home parents, but just, you know, parenting responsibilities are unpaid. You know, there's no recognition mm. or value uh, attributed to that. And so it is, you know, pushed down and, and less valued. Um, and so I think you're always, for, I think, to show up at work in a very feminine way, people would think less of you. I think that women progress more successfully when they portray more male attributes. Um, and I think about myself, you know, I've got very strong red energy, get things done, which can be seen as like the more aggressive go-getter sort of thing. And that is typically a more male attribute. And I think I lead with that in, often because um, that's where people feel comfortable interacting. You know, um, at my away day, I said that I really wanted to start one of the sessions with a grounding mindfulness exercise. Everybody rolled their eyes and I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, but you know what? It's really important to me that we do that and mm -hmm. um, we're going to. And it was really good. And nobody on the day, no one really cared. But I just think really showing up in a female way. So I think yeah. about other organisations I've been in and um, other successful women, especially 
um, who are, you know, now coming towards the end of their careers, they have not been able to be, oh, actually, no, that's not fair. I can't speak on behalf of somebody else in that way. But it strikes me that lots of women that have become really successful have done it because they have done it in a way that doesn't make their male counterparts feel um, alienated in any way. They've homogenized to to um, assimilate rather than bring their diversity. Um, I, I think I think I, I do think there is something around this and I often talk um, be that on the podcast or with with women around I talk about feminine and masculine energy rather yeah. than male and female and it's only I read the book work like a woman by Mary Porters and mm-hmm. that's exactly what she says that there's actually a lot of males who have to put this alpha male um, yes. energy on but it's not their energy either um, yes. And actually having the balance of male and female energy, regardless of gender, is very helpful because it yeah. does bring different dynamics to the room. But men also struggle, actually, and, and, and that's where we go back to being a woman is degrading. So that a lot of women yeah. wouldn't expect, uh, say that, but they struggle to have that, to put that alpha male energy on. Um, so it's like we've kind of accepted within insurance especially and finance because you don't have that 100 percent in other uh, industries but certainly in this industry that the alpha male energy is the energy that we all have to operate in um and yeah that, that's I, I think now we are all starting to question whether that is whether that's the professional energy <laughs> yes <laughs> and and I also think um thank you so much because you've actually sort of completed the point that I was trying to make earlier but you've made it so much more articulately than than I sort of stumbled <laughs> around doing um about not being a tick box you know but being diversity of thought so I'm I'm really okay 100% okay that with a, a full fully male uh board if all of those guys are showing a diversity of approach and diversity of thought and like you say bringing male and female energies or feminine mm. and masculine energies and and different thought processes but I think it's when you feel like you have to conform and also there's another book called Quiet and I've completely forgotten who the author is mm. so if I can um uh, quickly google oh, it, while, it. I'm, Don't worry. while I'm talking <laughs> um but um she uh, talks about you know the power of leadership in being quiet and not being the first person to speak and how actually how much power there is in being an introverted leader and um very interesting it's really good and actually that's that's not the way that most organizations run no and they do say that the the best skill that you can have as a leader is actually active listening but in order to actively listen you have to be quiet and that's you know but but then but then there is a perception that a quiet leader is not a uh, it's weak you know, doesn't have that power yeah so it's a and there is a lot of power in, in silence certainly there's a trick isn't it that if you want to ask a very good question ask the question go quiet or use the power yeah. of silence and that really can get you far in negotiations they always talk about it <laughs> yeah and you you know you said about being quiet but it's not just um being not talking but actually about being quiet in your head and heart to listen you know so not preparing your response but actually leaving a blank space to be filled by what you're hearing oh that's 
yeah, you're definitely taking it to another level that I really enjoy, which is all around <laughs> the mindfulness and starting the right yeah. day, the, the meeting in the right time. And there's definitely a power power in that being present, which a lot of us aren't. Um, yeah. But but going back to your podcast, tell us a bit oh, yes. about your podcast. Where do it start to? What what's about? Where can um, it be found? <laughs> so you can find it on Podbean, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's called Miracle Working Mums. And, at, you know, I started it unashamedly being for mums. And that is no judgment on whether you do or don't have children or whether you're male or female. Um, but I feel like talking about um, planning a family and starting a family is something that is actually difficult for women to do because we often talk about our um, personal life with our friends and our peers, but actually oftentimes you are approaching families um, at different times to your peers or, you know, with different challenges. And um, you may or may not have someone at work that you feel you can talk to because there's a whole dynamic uh, when you're talking about trying to get pregnant or challenges with getting pregnant or what have you at work and I sort of thought you know there's a real void for people to be able to hear stories about um, planning a family and working life Um, but also knowing that you're not alone so um, for example you know if you're going through a particular process, say adoption process, you might not know anybody else. Um, you know the people that are on your program, but you they maybe they don't have the career that you have, so you don't have mm. that sort of insight. Or maybe you're going through IVF and you need to um, have some time off work, uh, but you don't want to tell people why you want to have IVF, or you know um, maybe you've had baby loss, and you know there's just it's so hard to find people you think you're the only one I think Mm. women I think one of the ways that women are actually kept quiet is by being isolated you know by not having that power in numbers and not knowing that other people have felt what they have felt so I in no way wanted to suggest that it's a women's problem or it's women alone or that men don't have a really important part to play in that. But I wanted to create a really safe space for women to talk about um, how they managed to start a family and keep their career or develop their career or the, the, just the challenges that they faced. Um, And actually, as it goes on, I've I've now got a shout out because I do want to get some dads involved and I do want to, you know, it's, it's evolving and it's going forwards. But I just wanted to create that really safe space at the beginning. Oh, it's, it, it, and it's really, really interesting listen because it is true stories of people that work that we, we may see, you may not know the actual person, but you may know the stories of similar people. And it does bring sort of everyone together, which is, which is brilliant. And um, sorry, can I just say one other thing? The thing that's been really shocking for me and actually really upsetting and really compounds my passion to keep going forwards with this is the number Mm. of women that I've spoken to about it that have said, I don't think I can share my story in a public forum. I don't think I can tell people how I've been treated by my work. I don't think I can Mm. tell people about how I feel. You know, yeah. I don't feel ready to share how I feel. 
and the fact that there is this invisible secret emotional burden and you know that affects predominantly women because it's their bodies yeah. you know uh, and I know that um men are responsible for most pregnancies almost all in fact yeah. uh, you know yeah. there's a there is a partnership there involved at least for a few moments um if not forever but you know and I know it affects guys as well but there is a much more personal impact on it when it's going to affect your body and have a longer impact on your career um Mm. and I've spoken to a few people who have had to have um terminations and they have not been able to feel that they could uh talk about that at work nor could they talk about it now because they feel that um the you know the repercussions would be too great so there is a huge silent burden that women carry and it is it links back to being a woman this is this um degrading right so yeah. these topics are still seen as you know don't talk about it it's like period it's like menopause is getting a bit more traction but period you know don't use that word in the office like that's not yeah I'm sorry that that's biology it happens yeah <laughs> um you know and yeah for some unfortunately it doesn't happen um and it stops quite early on but in generic you know you work with yeah. women that they experience it we have hormonal imbalances and, and our bodies change yes. all of this is seen as just not a topic to talk about so you're yeah. right so there's a lot of silence within and now I'm not saying let's start walking around and you know announcing to everyone when our period is yeah but it's everyone's private business but you shouldn't feel ashamed or you yeah. shouldn't feel that you have to keep it inside isn't it so I don't want to keep um you know self uh promoting my podcast no, but there was one so there's one episode with Alicia Harris and um she's a lifestyle coach she used to work in um investments and she talks about harnessing the power of your hormones as a woman to perform better at work and to increase the revenue that you generate and actually one of the people in my team listened to it and she's you know we had this really incredibly powerful conversation about that episode and she said so I hope you don't mind but we've got a one-to-one planned later in the week but I know that I'm not going to be feeling you know confident to speak because this is where I am hormonally can we put it back to next week because I know that I'm going to feel more energetic and enthusiastic and I was like 100% so interesting I heard about so it's as some people call it as well four seasons um and you operate in the various seasons throughout your cycle and I mean you know I know women that put in their calendars like this is the week and they will literally schedule meetings outside of that yeah. week because they know that their PMS is just going to be all it's, over the yeah. place and especially and if that's a client pitch point. yeah yeah, yeah 100% <laughs> and so it, it does it does talk to that different way of working uh accommodating culture and again everyone's level of how much they want to share is different but being able to have that conversation seeing that you're not the only one experiencing it is so powerful I think so powerful and certainly not alienating because we don't mean to alienate anyone yeah. who's not experiencing it but but creating that safe space 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I've really enjoyed us talking and um, I always close uh, this podcast as well with thanks to insurance, what have you been able to experience that you think you wouldn't have otherwise? So I think thanks to insurance, the thing that I've been able to experience is an insight into world events that I wouldn't have otherwise had. You know, stuff that you see on the news that results in a claim, especially because, you know, in the Lloyds market, in the London market, you see lots of these big events. And to sort of understand some of the drivers, um, what's happening, um, and to have a different perspective than what the you know BBC or Sky journalist is putting across on the news, and to actually have your own perspective on what's going on, I just think it's really cool, really mm. cool. Yeah, I like that. That is, and then it's such a, it does it does really open. I mean, I can't help it when I'm at the airport and I look at the planes. I'm like, oh, I wonder who's insuring that and who's insuring. Mm-hmm. You just your brain goes there. It's very disturbing yeah. actually. So, because you can't relax yeah and actually I was um I was on holiday once and I was going on um an internal flight in a developing country and I spoke to our aviation underwriters and I was like what's the claims history like on this airline (laughs) like should I should I just get train is train better are the roads better there You know, I never thought about it, but yeah, next time you travel somewhere, <laughs> forget about reading reviews. Go to your underwriting. <laughs> exactly. Check what the claims exactly. are like. <laughs> exactly. Brilliant. Well, it's been lovely talking to you. Thank you so much for for joining me here, and we'll share the link to the podcast and the various books that we spoke about. Thank you. Um, it's been very good. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Help us spread the word by following us on LinkedIn and TikTok at 100 Women in Insurance. Rate our podcast and share it on your social media platforms. Remember, this is a podcast for you, so your opinion matters to us. If you have any recommendations or comments, please get in touch through our social media. We would love to hear from you. See you in our next episode.